I'm Edit Chakraborty, and this is The Business. Coming up this week, the future of Northern Rock takes shape as the government's plans to break it up get the green light. Plus, George Osborne takes on the bankers. Well, that's his story. We'll discuss his plans and the regulatory slugfest between Mervyn King and Adair Turner. Who'll win in this battle of the financial heavyweights? And architectural cruises, champagne receptions and gourmet cookery classes. Andy Clark reports from the annual convention of, yes, you've guessed it, America's Bankers. This is The Business from The Guardian. Well, this week, Radio 4's Evan Davis interviewed 50 Cent about the rapper's entrepreneurial spirit. And our panel is no less hip, or indeed hop, for this podcast. We have The Guardian's head of business, Dan Roberts, Larry Elliott, our economics editor, and, as a special treat, Guardian political columnist, Michael White. A full house, and let's get things underway by talking about the fate of Northern Rock. The bank was the first British casualty of the subprime crisis and nationalised back in February 2008. At the time of podding, its fate has been decided by the European Commission. Dan, can you tell me what's going on today? Well, we're expecting to hear the Commission's ruling on um, three quite important um, things in banking. One, how much RBS and secondly, Lloyd's will have to divest in order to satisfy competition concerns. If you remember, particularly Lloyd's when it merged with HBOS, there was a sense that it was far too large and... um, the, uh, and Europe has been taking a, a, a long look at that. And the third thing is is the ruling about what the government can do with Northern Rock, which again, you know, has to sort of um, pass certain state aid thresholds in Brussels, and, and and they have a they have a sort of voice in in what we can do. And the current proposal is to split northern rock into this so-called good bank and a bad bank i.e put all the toxic stuff to one side and try and sell on um uh, a, a going concern um what's making this more complicated is two quite interesting things going on in the, in the background one is people circling to wanting to get the piece of the action so you've got virgin richard branson and tesco both today sort of making a lot of noise about their interest in retail banking which is far from coincidence and the other interesting thing is the noise coming out of out of government about whether they actually they really want to sell these things off or whether they want to do something more interesting with them and perhaps look at remutualizing all these sorts of things okay let's bring in political editor emeritus michael white what do you believe the story that we've got on our front page that that Gordon Brown or or someone deep in government has got second thoughts about sending this back into the private sector? Well, it's not a great time to sell things in the private sector. We certainly need more competition in the banking sector. Uh, But Mr. Brown found when he um, launched his assets the other day, everybody laughed. Um, I think more interesting thought, which probably lies behind this, is that a terrible mistake was made 20 years ago when building societies uh, were allowed to demutualize. In other words, cease to become the Victorian institutions uh, which they were, owned by their, their customers. Boring, unflashy, and highly successful. Although mortgages were tight, it has to be said, in that uh, old world which we've forgotten so maybe there's an idea lurking here sort of thing Gordon Brown himself in his more uh, thoughtful brownish moments might say wouldn't it be great if we could uh, sort of restore uh, the old building society movement which people trusted and liked they do forget there were a lot of queues for mortgages in those days but Larry will tell you how we can solve that I feel sure well Larry there is an <coughs> awful lot of talk about mutualism in the air isn't there there is yeah there's a lot of it around Where's the attraction, this kind of self-help, as as, as Mike was saying, this kind of self-help Victorianism? Why is that? I think it's almost inevitable, given the failings of some of the of the building societies that went uh, went down the PLC route. Northern Rock being a classic example, Halifax being another. I mean, these are two sort of great old institutions which went completely off the rails once they were allowed to to behave like 
public limited companies rather than... Abbey didn't, did it? Yeah, Abbey uh, Abby, Abby was a success, but um, the other two weren't, obviously. It's been bought by Santander, so I mean, there's very few left. Really. But the implicit question that Mike's asking is, uh, we, we can get too dewy-eyed about the building societies. We forget that there was mortgage rationing. We forget they were quite slow, sluggish well, mortgage, mortgage rationing wasn't necessarily a bad thing, actually. I mean, it meant that people had to save up a bit for their mortgages rather than get 125% loans. I mean, the, the, the boom bust in the housing market were actually much less prevalent when we had... Uh, people actually having to save a bit before they were able to go, go and get a house. I mean, that meant that you actually capped house prices and meant you didn't get this sort of intergenerational transfer of wealth from young people to their parents. So, you know, people sort of talk about mortgage rationing as though there were massive queues of people outside building societies waiting for a loan. What it actually meant was people had to save a couple of grand before they were allowed to get a mortgage. Damn good thing. Uh, let's just do a bit of the politics of this. Um, the kind of implicit story that Treasury is, is trying to give us is, well, now you will start to see why we made all these interventions in the banking sector last year. You know, here, here is a taxpayer get, getting, or at least being presented with the possibility of getting their money back. Do you think that's right, Dan? Do you think we will end up seeing every single penny that we invested in Northern Rock, RBS, Lloyds? And all I don't know about every single penny, but I think we're, we're probably not far away in some, in some cases. The thing to remember is the real risk that the government took on, uh, which we still have, is that theoretical exposure, more than theory, but that the, the sort of the liability um, that exists because we now stand full square behind banks as large as RBS. And that's colossal. I mean, that's a trillion pound exposure. But the actual sort of cash that was put in, we may well get back. It doesn't change the fact that we've effectively put the state on the hook for these banks. But it doesn't mean that we might make a, a small profit on when, when it comes to selling them back. I mean, this is, this is modelled pretty much on the Swedish um, rescue for their banks in the early 1990s, which did actually end up getting their money back and a bit more. And I think it depends on how the deal is structured and, crucially, on timing. I mean, the British state is very good at emergencies, I think. I mean, what we found in the crisis was we were very good at handling the emergency. We don't tend to be so good about the sort of long-term planning. So there's a real danger of getting rid of these assets too quickly and at rock-bottom prices. So if we get a decent price for them, that's that, that, that would be good. But there's a sort of danger that, because of the size of the deficit, the government want to offload them as quickly as possible. Well, that's, there's the political danger there because it's very appealing particularly if you're incoming conservative government to say um, every family in the country now is owned however much money it is it 24,000 each or something but in fact that's not real it's scare stuff because the money is owed to other people in Britain and Britain's net assets net assets around the world exceed uh, its net liabilities and so on and so forth we're not we're not Iceland yet but it gives political cover for people who want to cut uh, public expenditure and other services because they always wanted to cover and they uh, cut it and they say we're like a family a government we have to cut our cloth but we're not are we this is the business with Aditya Chakraborty. From building societies to banks. And this week, George Osborne came up with a plan forcing bankers to take the bulk of their Christmas bonus in shares rather than cash. Meanwhile, the battle between Mervyn King, Governor of the Bank of England, and FSA Chief Adair Turner is hotting up. At a speech in Edinburgh, Mervyn King said that reform and regulation isn't enough for the banking sector. He believes a fundamental rethink about how banks are structured is necessary to avoid another crisis. We'll come on to that in a moment, but first of all, what do we make of the Shadow Chancellor's plans? Let me go to you first, Mike. Well, George Osborne is, you know, pretty cute at politics. 
uh, he happens, as Alistair Campbell points out in a letter to the FT this morning, he happens to be the government's, uh, the, sorry, whoops, the Conservative Party's ca- election campaign uh, coordinator. And he's a good tactical politician. Uh, you know, you ask him uh, a macroeconomic question and he'll give you a political tactical answer. Uh, so he's weak on economics. That's a problem, which is the point of Campbell's letter. He's got two jobs uh, and um, he's better at one at the other. And he hasn't really established confidence in the city or, w- or, or with the Pinkan. So so it was smart populism. That's my point. It appeals to voters, tells them what the opinion polls say. They probably want to hear, string up a few bankers. But is it smart in the longer term? Dan, I don't quite understand why in trying to impose some kind of bonus clampdown on high street banks will get to the heart of the investment banking bonus giveaway. No, I have to admit, I don't either. I mean, I, I think what he's trying to do is say that any any bank where there is a systemic risk, i.e. that we might have to step in again in future, um, should have bonus controls. But I, I, I thought with Lehman Brothers, we established that actually most of the investment banks pose systemic risk as well. So I don't get it. I also think that it's it's more attacking the, the symptom rather than the cause. The cause of high bonuses is excessive bank profits. And, 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 and you go one back further and you say that's lack of competition or the fact that it's all, 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 all a great big racket. Bonuses are the, are, are the symptom. And, and, and I think that Osborne has once again, actually, as Mike says, shown very acute political sensitivity here. Um, and we've got to applaud him for doing something, certainly more than we're getting out of the government at the moment. But it, it did smack of policy on the hoof, not terribly thought out. What's going to happen when Barclays try and um, poach some more investment bankers to build up their investment bank, which they want to? They're just going to pay them higher salaries instead. The, 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 you know, Unless you produce some sort of more structural kind of reform or really address the, the root cause of this you're just going to be chasing this money around the system why can't they make them buy uh, hold stock instead of cash so that's part of what osborne's trying to say he, he is he's saying we're going you, you, you can only pay bonuses um in, in shares, in, in shares. Yeah. but take barclays as the as the most acute example they're busily trying to poach investment bankers um from around the world at the moment to become the next goldman sachs um they're not going to be interested in you know vague promises of what barclays shares might be worth in three or four years time these are people they on want big money right they now. want hard cash yeah. and instead of offering them a guaranteed bonus is what they're doing now they're just going to offer them a bigger this, salary this is what people do when they're in opposition it's kind of interesting to see what uh, boris is doing actually in, in as mayor of london because boris got a lot of money from the city to bankroll his campaign and there have been moves in europe um, at a europe level to sort of clamp down on hedge funds and on private equity and boris has been lobbying very hard on their Against behalf in that. brussels so yeah. it's kind of interesting to see what the tories do when they're actually in power as opposed to what they're doing in opposition and this really is all about george positioning himself for when the big bonuses are announced in the new year we'll be in full election pre-election mode then and george will then be able to say look i said back in the back in the autumn we needed to do something about these excessive bonuses so it's, it's a piece of classic opposition political positioning in my view it has no, no real economic relevance at all and you really need to look at what the tories do when they're actually when they actually got their hands on the levers of power rather than what they're doing in opposition well let's move from politicians to regulators because one of the interesting things about the past couple of years is actually the politicians who you would have thought would be quite tub thumping about taking on the bankers have sounded much more cautious than the likes of Mervyn King or Adair Turner. But there does seem, Larry, to be op- to be um, a difference open up between the way Mervyn King would like to see the banks regulated and the way Adair Turner's seeing that. Do you agree? Yes, I think there's quite a big, certainly a big tactical divide between the two. I think strategically both of them want to see the banking sector uh, curbed, and um, I think both of them recognise the very real and present danger of another crisis erupting in two or three years' time. One which would not only 
be a threat to the financial system, but to the entire economic system. So, I, th- I mean, I think that the, I think that what, what Mervyn thinks is that there's been institutional capture of the Treasury by the city, that the investment banks in particular are act as the strongest political lobbying group in the country. And he's right, isn't he? He's right, totally right. He's totally on a par with probably even more excessive than trade union power in the 1970s. And he would, he, would, he, he would argue that we need to do to the city and the investment banks in particular and the big banks, the big conglomerate banks, what Thatcher did to the trade unions in the 1980s, which is cut them down to size. You don't mess around, you just cut them down to size. That, that's, that's Mervyn's. You, 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 don't, you, don't, you don't allow them to be too big. You split them up into, into narrow banks, which deal with the customers in the high street and you have um, casino banks which uh, are able to, to, to speculate and so on. That, that's Mervyn's view. Adair, I think, um, takes a slightly different view. He thinks it's very difficult in practice to do that and that, that there are real practical difficulties in doing it. And he wants to do the same thing by incentives, by regulation, by taxation, and it, you can therefore tax away or regulate away some of these excessive practices. But I think if you ask the two of them... Do you think that the, the, the current city is sustainable? They would say no, and they want it changed quite radically. The difference is, I think, is in how you do it. Mike, that's the policy side of the debate, but there's also a kind of political and personality side of this in that Adair Turner's chief of the FSA, which is a Gordon Brown creation, Mervyn King's head of the Bank of England, and George Osborne's pretty much nailed his sale to George to Mervyn King's mast. Yeah, he's, well, there's this odd thing going on where Mervyn King is behaving a bit like General Sir Richard Dannat uh, of the army who sort of ended up taking the Tory shilling. I don't think that's the case in King's case, but he has put himself in an unusual way uh, 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 aligned with, uh, with what, uh, many of the things the Tories are saying. Uh, governors of the bank always fall out with the Chancellor and the Prime Minister. It's been going back to the 20s and they say rude things about each other. Uh, this is an un- un- unusual case. The whole question of how you control the city and regulate it properly. It's all above my pay grade, and I read with fascination the extent to which the experts seriously uh, uh, and deeply disagree with how you do it. I'd only make the point, you can see why number 11 is going cautiously. It generates, what, 27% of, uh, tax, of tax revenue? And until you can find, you, until you can replace it, you better be, until you've got a better idea than the city at the moment, we're stuck with it, whether we like it or not. Uh, uh, manufacturing ain't doing so well, and it's a smaller part of the economy. Final word to Dan. Well, I, I, I mean, I just come back to this uh, institutional capture point. I mean, we've seen yet another Warburg's banker appointed to um, run UKFI today. This is the um, body in charge of our bank shares. And I mean, I've lost count now of the number of bankers in and out of the Treasury. Um, it's the biggest source of business for, for, for a lot of them at the moment. And, and you can see it just dripping in every piece of policy or lack of policy coming out of the Treasury. But don't you need and, the poachers to turn gamekeepers? Well, they're not just turned gamekeepers. They're, I mean, they're, they're, they're still they, poachers. They, 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 they remain poachers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they go out at night. <laughs> I was going to say they've also moved lock, stock, and barrel into the stately home, <laughs> taken over the beds, and you know, and turfed out the family. You know, having fun I mean, with the maids. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, we'll, we'll leave it on that metaphor. <laughs> Yes, over in Chicago, the annual convention for America's banking community was met with predictable hostility from the streets. Andrew Clark is the Guardian's Wall Street correspondent, and he was in the Windy City to witness the goings-on. 
Well, this was the annual meeting of the American Association of Bankers, which is the largest trade organization representing banks. And there are about 1,500 senior executives from banks, large and small, mainly small, um, across the U.S. They were gathered in Chicago to, uh, to talk about the way the industry has been hit by this global crisis and to, to, to try and plot the way forward for, for struggling U.S. banks. And it didn't all go according to plan? No, well, there was something of a siege mentality within the Chicago Sheraton, where the conference was being held. Um, large groups of protesters kept turning up outside. For example, on Sunday evening, uh, there was used to be a, a, a drinks reception, a very civilised drinks reception in the hotel ballroom to welcome all the arriving bankers. But um, protesters tried to get in to deliver a letter explaining the damage that banks had done to local communities. And there was something of a fracas outside as security guards repelled the demonstrators. Should they have held this meeting in the first place? Well, I don't think it's unreasonable for um, uh, an industry to have an annual meeting uh, where they can swap ideas and ex- exchange um, you know, tips on professional development and so on. Um, and I think it would be foolish to cancel a convention just because there might be some protest. But um, when you look at the programme, um, there are some elements of it which look a tiny bit frivolous, you know, an architectural cruise of Chicago, a cookery lesson, a visit to Frank Lloyd Wright, the architect's home outside of... Um, Chicago Um, and also they might have perhaps nodded a little bit more in the direction of progressives their chosen speakers included Newt Gingrich the former Republican speaker and and George Wills who's a um, a renowned um, conservative author Um, there weren't really many Democrats on the agenda so um, perhaps they they could have uh, bent a little bit more um, towards the people who say that they've lost their homes and their jobs and their savings because of the excesses of the banking industry. But at least I suppose um, we should be grateful that it wasn't held in Las Vegas. Well, indeed, and and, uh, President Obama has been uh, very clear in warning financial organisations that in the current climate um, they will not be... uh, they will be criticised if they hold conventions in resorts like Las Vegas or uh, Palm Beach or or lavish Californian hotels like the one chosen by the struggling insurer AIG for a meeting earlier this year. And uh, finally, what about Sheila Bear? How did she get on? Well, Sheila Bear's the head of the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, which guarantees um, guarantees consumers money in U.S. banks. Um, and um, she managed to bridge the divide, uh, rather, between the bankers and the protesters. She initially appeared at a, a rally of protesters and, and, and agreed with them that there should be no more bailouts of big banks. Um, then she went inside the meeting and she praised the work that's been done by small community banks, which argue vigorously that they haven't been involved in subprime lending. But she did also uh, tell the bankers that, you know, to, to lay off with the large overdraft fees. Um, she said that um, it, it didn't do the industry good to be looking as if uh, they were trying to gotcha uh, investors. Andrew Clark there, speaking to business producer Ben Green. You can see a film of the trouble in Chicago on our website at guardian.co.uk slash video. Well, that's the end of this week's show. It only remains for me to thank Mike White, Dan Roberts, Larry Elliott. I'm Adit Chakraborty, and that was business.